Divinity is not sufficient. Divinity just talks about the attributes of God. But He is more than divine. He is God. Come in the flesh. We apostolics know that. There, that's what makes us different. One, one thing that makes us different is that we understand that Jesus is Almighty God. There are a lot of other churches that their worship is similar to ours. Their prayer is similar to ours. Their praise is similar to ours. The way they hold service is similar to ours. They believe that Jesus is the healer. They know that. They know that he died, buried, rose again the third day and ascended up to sit on the right hand of God. They know that. But the apostolic church is unique and different in this aspect. We know that Jesus is Almighty God. He is not just a second person in a fictitious trinity. He is Almighty God. And we are the ones that must go forth and proclaim that because that is the apostolic church specialty. That is what distinguishes you, you from everybody else in the world. The apostolic church throughout all the world is distinguished by the fact that you believe that Jesus Christ is not the second person in the Godhead. But you believe that Jesus Christ is God Almighty come in the flesh. And we're going to see that in this first Corinthian, this church of Corinth, they were a one God apostolic church. Hallelujah. Give the Lord praise. <clears throat> A lot of churches believe in the gifts of the Spirit. They believe in getting the Holy Ghost. But they don't know what we know. And it's our job to tell them. Hallelujah. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Hallelujah. Man, there's an anointing here. This morning in this service. It is awesome. Chapter 1 verse 1. If you have that, say praise the Lord. Paul called an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God and Sosthenes, brother. Unto the church of God, which is at Corinth, or being in Corinth, to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called saints, with all that in every place call upon the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours, grace unto you, and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God always on your behalf for the grace of God which is given you by Jesus Christ that in everything you are enriched by him in all utterance and in all knowledge even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you so that you come behind in no gift waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Who shall also confirm you unto the end that you may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful by whom ye were called unto the fellowship of his son Jesus Christ our Lord. Hallelujah. Father, I just thank you for your awesome word tonight, today, Lord. I give you the glory and the honor and the praise for what's going to happen here and what we will hear today in the name of Jesus. You may be seated. Amen. <clears throat> the scripture tells us that Paul is called an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God. Sosthenes, our brother. The apostle Paul is called by God and was or was called by God. 
He was not placed into ministry or called to the city of Corinth by a missions board. It was not of men or by men that Paul was an apostle. You understand? It was by the call of God and the will of God that Paul was an apostle. I know you don't think that's real heavy, but that's powerful. You need to get a revelation of that. That men, true men of God, are not by men and of men. They are called by God, by the will of God, to do what they're doing. If they are not called by God and placed by the will of God, then they are not men of God. They are self-appointed men. They are men who preach by vocation for a living. They are not men who are called by God if God didn't call them. That makes sense, doesn't it? But this, yeah. What Paul did was not a job. What Paul did was a fulfillment of the call of God and the will of God on his life. There was no missions board, as I said, that got together and said, Hey, you know what? I think it'd be good if Paul went to Corinth. God sent him to Corinth. It was by the will of God that Paul was uh, there in Corinth. Do you understand that? See, today, the focus is man-made organizational structures. Men calling men and men placing men and men sending men. But that's not the will of God. It is about God. It is His call. It is His will. It is His church. Too much politics in the church today. Hallelujah. The church today for the most part is run by men, not by God. Hallelujah. You believe that today? Paul called an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God and Sosthenes, our brother. Sosthenes was not a co-writer of this letter. He was a man that the church in Corinth would know. You remember in Acts 18 how he came into the kingdom? I'm not going to let you quench my fire. I'm not going to let you throw water on me. Hallelujah. Sosthenes, the reason why Paul made rest, reference to Sosthenes because Sosthenes, either he was beaten after he became a Christian or beaten at, before he became a Christian and became a Christian after he got beat. Sometimes it takes a little beating to turn you into the right direction. And after Crispus came into the kingdom of God, being the leader of the, of the Jewish synagogue, then evidently Sosthenes was voted and put in his place. Hallelujah. And Sosthenes, he, he kind of rejected the gospel to begin with, it seems to be. And so he gathered a bunch of people before Galileo. And Galileo made his verdict on the preaching of the, of the gospel there in Corinth. Sosthenes walked out of that situation, got beat by a bunch of Greeks, and turned to the Lord. So something good came out of his whooping. It's either he was whooped as a Christian or he was whooped before a Christian. If he was whooped before a Christian, that means it helped him become a Christian. Some of us need a good whooping. If it'll turn us to the faith. 
And that's what happened to Sosthenes. And so Sosthenes, because the church in Corinth knew this man, Paul says, you know what? I'm going to mention somebody that they know, somebody that they love, somebody that they can relate to. Are you here today? So he mentioned Sosthenes to them and said, hey, that's a good brother right there. In fact, in little Greek, it says he is the brother. What Paul is trying to show you is the power of God to change a person's will. In one minute, he is fighting the gospel. The next minute, God is changing the will of Sosthenes, turning his will toward the kingdom of God. And Sosthenes comes in the kingdom of God. Sometimes God will short-circuit your will. Thank God he short-circuits our will. God short-circuited Sosthenes' will. It took a beating. The beating was what short-circuited the will of Sosthenes. You'll have to read Acts 18 again. But he short-circuited the will of Sosthenes. Instead of fighting the gospel, now he is in the kingdom. And so Paul says, let me give you an illustration of somebody who has been changed and transformed by the will of God and by the power of God. You know his background. You know what he used to be like. You know how he came into the kingdom of God. You know how he fought the gospel at the beginning. But God short-circuited his will and brought him into the kingdom of God. And Paul says, let me also tell you, I'm an apostle by the will of God. I am called an apostle by the will of God. You got to hear this. The apostle Paul in Acts chapter 9. You know his background. He also resisted the gospel. He fought the gospel. He he rejected the Lord Jesus Christ. He was going about trying to persecute and kill Christians until God short-circuited his will. He said, I'm called an apostle by the will of God. God stepped into my will and he short-circuited my will. He was a persecutor of the church rejecting of Jesus Christ but he met the Lord on the road to Damascus in Acts chapter 9 and God knocked him on the ground God put him on the ground and blinded him and and so Paul says who art thou Lord for a Jew to ask that question who art thou Lord Paul knows that there's only one God So when he says, who art thou, Lord? He's basically saying, who are you, God? And Jesus said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. So the godness of Jesus short-circuited the will of Paul. And instead of him becoming a persecutor of the church, a hater of the church, he got converted and brought into the kingdom of God. That shows you the power of God's will. Say, by the will of God. God can short-circuit your will. See, God's will for you. God sees you. Come on, are you with me right now? God sees you a certain way. He ha- he, listen, His will for your life is the way He sees you right now. You might not ever become that because of your will. But what God calls you to be is the way that God sees you right now. What God sees you as, that you are. Though you may never become that because of your will. You didn't hear me. 
the way God sees you, that you are. Though you may never become that because of your will. Your will is obstinate against the will of the Lord. But thanks be to God that the way that I am, though I may not ever become that, thanks to the will of God, God can step in and short circuit my will so that that which he sees me to be, that I might never become because of my will. He can step in and short circuit my will. He did it with Sosthenes. He did it with the Apostle Paul. And he can do it with you. Sometimes he does it by words. Sometimes he does it through suffering. Sometimes he does it through persecution. Sometimes he does it through his goodness. But God can step in and short circuit your will today. So that you will become what he wills you to become. The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. And he turns it with whatever direction he wants to. Like rivers of water. He has the power to rule over your will. Do you understand how powerful this is? The way God sees you. His will in your life is the way you are. Though you may never become that because of your will. But I'm trying to get you to understand that God can step in and does step in to change your mind. To change your will. From a persecutor and a hater and a rejecter to somebody that's in the will of God today. Give the Lord praise. Your will was to go to hell. You wanted to go to hell. It was your will to go to hell. But God stepped in and short-circuited your will and said, I want you to go to heaven. God's will was for you to go to heaven, though your will was to go to hell. Thank God he stepped in. I'm on my way to heaven today, not because, you know what, it was my will. I got saved not because it was my will. I got saved because it was God's will. I can't take the credit for it. I just chose His will. That's all I did. But it was the will of God that brought me in. It was the will of God that converted me. It was the will of God that changed me. It was the will of God that took me from hell to heaven. That's what Paul is saying. He didn't get saved by his own will. He was resisting salvation in Jesus. He was resisting Jesus, God, come in flesh. So it wasn't Paul's will, but the will of God stepped in and said, I won't. Listen, you will be saved, Paul. You will be saved, not against your will, but you will be saved because I'm going to short circuit your will. Hallelujah. I'm going to knock you on the ground. I'm going to blind you. You're on your way to hell right now, but I will for you to go to heaven. You will to stay down, but God says, I will for you to get up. I'll short circuit your will to stay down and I'll get you up. It's your will to go out, but it's God's will to bring you in. Thank God when you said, you know what, I think I just want to go out. God just stepped in and short-circuited your will. And he said, no, that's not my will for you to go out. It's my will for you to come in. It's not the will of God for you to stay down. It's the will of God for you to come up. It's not the will of God for you to go to hell. It's the will of God for you to go to heaven. And some of you need to get a revelation of this. And stop taking credit. For something that God has done for you. Give God praise. 
You're in this service today by the will of God. Paul said, by the will of God, I am called to be an apostle. By the will of God, I'm saved. Not wills, plural. There's only one will of God. I said, there's only one will of God. He said, by the will of God, I am where I am right now. God short-circuited my will and my, where I wanted to go. And God says, I want you, Paul, to be an apostle. I'm going to save you. I'm going to bring you in the kingdom of God. And that's, so Paul gives glory to God. You are here this morning, not because of your will. You are here this morning because God willed you to be here. You're in the kingdom of God right now, baptized in Jesus' name. You know why? Because you've got a revelation that Jesus is God. Because Jesus is God, he short-circuited the will of Paul. I'm talking about the deity of Jesus. Who out there, Lord? Who art thou, Lord? I am Jesus whom thou persecuted. So because of the godness of Jesus, the will of Paul was short-circuited. And he entered into the will of the Lord God. Give God praise. God, what God willed you to become, that you are, though you may never become that because of your will. But you need to thank God He can step in and change that. He can short-circuit your will. Come on, somebody. You said, I'm going to go there. I will do this. God said, okay, go ahead. But it's not my will. And I'll just step in. I'll change your heart. I'll change your mind about that. And I'll put you in my will. Give God praise. Sometimes he's got to let you go through hard times to short circuit your will. Sometimes he's got to let you go through persecution to short circuit your will. Sometimes he's got to send goodness your way to short circuit your will. Come on. You want, oh yeah, yeah, you're not hearing me. He had to knock Paul down to get Paul's attention. Sophocles had to be beat to get his attention. But they came into the kingdom of God because the Lord stepped in and short-circuited their will. Give God praise. I was talking to a brother the other day on the telephone about when he first came into the church. When we first started the church over there on Brazos, that little metal building over there. He and he and the brother, I just tell you, brother Daniel, brother Randall walked into that church service that morning. And I asked him a little bit about it yesterday. I said, well, what was the situation and what was being preached there? He said, well, that was Mother's Day service. He said, we walked in there, you know, and we kind of laughed at this, uh, at Brother Heath. I think he said Brother Heath. Brother Obed, Brother Furman, jumping around, praising God, you know. And Brother Randall and Brother Daniel, they over there kind of pointing fingers at those brothers. They said, look at them go. Look at them praising. Look at them dancing, you know. And all of that. So they were kind of, and, and probably a little bit mocking a little bit about that, you know what I'm saying? But before it was all over, the power of God moved in there. And the will of God stepped in there. And the, when the will of God came, it short-circuited their attitude. It short-circuited their will. And he told me yesterday, he said, Pastor, I walked in laughing. But at the end of the service, I was crying. My eyes were full of tears. I was crying. The power of God came on him. The will of God stepped in and short-circuited their will. And today they're in the house of God. Not because they chose it, but because God was gracious. Think about your life. 
you got in the kingdom of God? Because of the godness of Jesus Christ. You need to praise God for that event. Sister Celia Weary on her way to a church on a Sunday morning, a Baptist church. She just happens to tune into our radio broadcast when we had a radio broadcast. She just happened to tune in there. Hallelujah. She didn't realize that God, what was he, he was going to do with that. He was going to short circuit the will of Sister Celia and cause her to enter into his will. She turned on the radio broadcast going one direction. Before it was all over, the Spirit of God stepped in, got a hold of her. She turned her little car around from going to Midland, turned around and went to a little church on Brazos Street because the will of God stepped in and short-circuited her will. And if you saw her then, you would not recognize her today. Come on, somebody. If you see her today, you would not recognize what she looked like then because God stepped in. It wasn't an accident. God stepped in. Jesus stepped in and brought her into the kingdom of God. The events of your life, you think, boy, that was miserable. That was horrible. But the events of your life, you know what? If you just trust God, he takes events of life and short circuits your wheel to bring you into his kingdom. He's an awesome God. Give God praise. So you need to think about your own life. How you ended up in the kingdom of God. How did you get here? What circumstances, what situations brought you into the kingdom of God? And then you need to praise God because it wasn't your will. It was the will of God stepping in and saying, I have a will for them. I can't take credit for my salvation. I can't take credit for my ministry. I can't take credit for this church. It's the will of God. God gets all the glory. There's a church in Odessa, Texas right here because God circumvented the will of somebody. God stepped in and said, okay, no, this is what needs to be done here. It wasn't in here. Come on, it's not to our glory. It's not to our credit. It's God's will that we're here. And I made up my mind, and I pray that you have, that I'm here as long as the will of God is here. Hallelujah. No matter what comes, no matter what it is, no matter how difficult, how good or otherwise, I've made up my mind I'm going to stay in the will of the Lord. Doesn't matter how painful, doesn't matter how hard, doesn't matter how difficult, I've got to stay in the will of the Lord. Give the Lord praise. Some of you thought to yourself, I'll be this when I grow up. God said, no, that's not my will for you. I'm going to short circuit that and I'm going to do, I'm going to make you, I'm going to cause you to want to fulfill my will. Give God praise. Some of you thought you'd be a, a world-class boxer. Thought you was going to be a, a champion of the world. God said, no, I'm going to short circuit that. You don't know it's me, but I'm going to do it because I've got another will for your life. Hallelujah. Some of you wanted to be in the military. Hallelujah. I was talking about physical military. You want to be in the military. God said, no, 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 no. I'm going to step in right now and I'm going to change your will. I'm going to short circuit your will so that you will fulfill my will. You need to give God glory for that. Because if he didn't step in and short circuit your will, you would be lost on your way to hell. Hallelujah, Jesus. I'm here by the will of God. 
You're here by the will of God. You're saved by the will of God. You're called by the will of God. Any ministry you have is because it's the will of God. Not of men and by men. By the will of God, Paul says. You need to get a hold of this. Hallelujah. We take too much credit. Instead of saying, thank you God for your will. Thank you God you turned my heart. Thank you God you, that, that difficulty came. I didn't like it, but thank God it did come. Because it put me in your will. Hallelujah. So you look at circumstances. This is good circumstance and this is bad circumstance. God says, you know what? I'm in charge of all of it. The wheels and the clock go backward to each other. You got one wheel going this way. You got another wheel going this way. And sometimes these wheels seem to be going contrary to the... Come on, are you with me here? To the blessings of God. But you know what God does? He uses both directions to cause His one wheel to be accomplished. When everything seems to be going contrary to the blessing of the Lord, the Lord said, if you will trust me, that which is going backwards, he said, I can use it to bring beautiful time, to bring beautiful experiences. If you trust me, say, by the will of God. What God saw you to be, that you are. Though you may never become that because of your will. But God, one good thing, God can short circuit the whole thing. He did it in my life and he can do it in your life. And you need to give him praise today. And when he throws that word in there and he throws that difficulty in there, or maybe some goodness in there. If it's, what, if it's not what you want, you can get all bitter. Come on. Get all bitter and all mad at God. You just trust Him. Say, God, I don't understand why I'm going through what I'm going through. I don't understand why I have to do this. But Lord, not my will, but Your will be done. Jesus, even Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, He didn't want, as a man, He didn't want to die on a cross and go through that pain. But He said, not my will, but Your will be done. It was the will of God for Jesus to go to the cross. No matter how pain. We'll give the Lord praise. I thank God for God's sovereignty. Because Jesus is God. He rules over the wills of men. Did you hear what I said? He rules over the wills of men. He turns the heart of the king. With his hand. To make the decisions. That are related to his will. That is how powerful God is. He could take a, name, a man, Sothenes, and turn his will. He can take a man called Paul and turn his will. And by a revelation that Jesus is God, God's will prevailed over the will of Paul. Say the godness of Jesus. That's what prevailed over the will of Paul. In Acts chapter 16, right before Paul goes into Corinth in Acts chapter 18, Paul, you know what he wants to do? Y'all can sit down. Paul, you know what he, he, what he wanted him to do? His will was to go into Asia and preach the gospel. You with me? And the Bible says, God said, no. Read Acts 16. The Spirit of God says, no. I don't want you to go into Asia right now. Then the Bible says, he is saved to go to Bith Bithynia. 
And the Spirit of God did not suffer them to go there. God told them no to Asia, told them no to Bithynia. And then the Bible says in the night season, the Apostle Paul had a vision. What was that vision? He saw a man standing at the foot of his bed and said, Paul, come over to Macedonia and help us. So the Bible says, while they're in Troas, they immediately catch a ship to go to Macedonia. In case you don't know it, Macedonia is Greek country. Macedonia is European country. Oh, yeah, you're not hearing me. It was the will of God for him to go to Europe. Not to go to Asia. And you better thank God for that. Because had Paul gone to Asia, he might have went over to China. And you wouldn't be in the house of God today. Because our country, come on. Our country and the reason the church is so powerful that it is in our nation. Is because God's will circumvented the will of Paul. Said, Paul, I don't want you to go into Asia. I don't want you to go up into China. I want you to go to Europe. And in case you don't know it, most of you are descendants of Europeans. And our country used to have a Christian, you know, faith system base. It's still rooted in Christianity. But it's all because Paul let the will of God step in and short circuit his will. Give God praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It wasn't the will of God. It wasn't the will of Paul to become a Christian. It wasn't the will of Paul to become an apostle to this faith. It wasn't the will of Paul to go to Greece. But it was the will of God. God said, I'll short circuit it so you'll fulfill my will. Give God praise. Say, I don't know if, if you understand what I'm trying to get across to you today. But you need to thank God if you're in the will of God today. That at some point he short-circuited you. I thank God for that. I wouldn't be here right now if God didn't step in and short-circuit my will. Woo. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. So, the revelation that Paul got of Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus is that Jesus is God. He said, by the will of God. By the will of who? Who did you see, Paul? Who did you see on the road to Damascus that changed your will? Jesus is God. Hallelujah. Give the Lord some praise. He says unto the church of who? God. The church of God. This church is an apostolic church. Founded by an apostolic man. Do you understand? Apostolic authority. This church is a church by the will of God. Not the will of a missions board. Not the will of a man-made organization. This church is the church of God by the will of God, said Paul. I'm called by the will of God. I'm an apostle by the will of God. I'm saved by the will of God. You're a church of God by the will of God, not by the will of men. Say amen. Man-made organization sometimes can be used by the will of God. But it is of God and by God, not of men and by men. Amen. Hallelujah. 
it in the name of Jesus. You look at the organized religion in the days of Paul. God had to come from the outside in. Stephen, say amen. amen. Stephen, from the outside in. When God really begins to move, it's going to be from the outside in. It normally never takes place from the inside out. It's got to take place from the outside in. Hallelujah. Because men have their will. Men have their way. Men have their plans. So God said, you know what? I've got to bring somebody from the outside to bring a revival. Give God some praise. There are a lot of things that have happened in my life. Decisions that I've made that I don't, didn't know completely why. But I can tell you today, it was the will of the Lord. Give God some praise. Because I realize that Jesus is God come in the flesh. And you are the church of God by the will of God. Hallelujah. Unto the church which is being at Corinth. The church of God. Not part of the church, but the church of God. It doesn't mean that God doesn't have congregations somewhere else. But God said, you are the church of God in Corinth. You are not part of a church. You are the church in Corinth. Give God praise. Yes, he's got congregations in other places. But you're not part of the church. You are the church in Corinth. Why am I saying that? Because if they were just a part of the church, that means that they'd only have part of God in their house. But you've got the wholeness of the church with the wholeness of God in that church. There's not part of God in the church of Corinth. The wholeness of God is in that church. This is the church right here. You are the church in Odessa, Texas. That doesn't mean that there's not other congregations. But you are the church in Odessa, Texas right here in this address. Because you don't have part of God. You've got the wholeness of God. And Jesus is not part of God. Jesus is not the second person a part of God. Jesus is God Almighty. You don't have part of God. You've got the wholeness of God. It's a church of God, a church of Jesus Christ, a church of God. Do you understand the significance of that? You need to understand today the importance of the church of God. This is where God is, He's in His church. Give the Lord praise. <coughs> the church of God, the word church, ecclesia. These are called out people. They're called out. Are you called out? Are you a part of God's body? Come on. You ought to know by now. Are you his called out ones? Are you his ecclesia? Are you his congregation? Are you his body? Are you his assembly today? If you are, then God, Jesus, is in the midst of us right now. Not part of Him, but the wholeness of God is right here in the midst of us. Hallelujah! In the mighty name of Jesus! And I know it takes dynamite to blow some of you off of your pew, but I got good news for you today. You are the church of God, not part of the church. You are the church that has the wholeness of God in it. 
Hallelujah, Jesus. The called out ones. This is not a man-made organization or a social club. You are the called out ones by God. You've been called out of a world under judgment. This world is under judgment. You have been called out from that world of judgment into the body of Christ, into his assembly, into his kingdom. I'm no longer under the judgment of this world. He's called me out from underneath that. I'm not looking for a part of God here. Wholeness of God. We are the body. We are the called out ones. Do you believe that? And if you're not called out from the world by God, then you're not a part of the church. And nobody should be allowed to become a member of God's church who is not called out. Because the church of the living God is not a social thing. It's not a man-made thing. The church of God is people are made up of people who have been called out from underneath the judgment of this world into his body, into his assembly. Say, I'm called out. And because I'm called out, I'm called in. I'm called, yeah, I'm called out of the world, but I'm called in by the will of God. By the will of God, I'm called out, out from underneath the world of judgment. And by the will of God, I'm called into the body today. Well, Pastor, you're pretty narrow not to allow people who've not been called out and called in to become a member of the church. You better believe it. Because, listen to me, nobody who is not a part of the kingdom of God, nobody who has not been born again is a part of God's church. If you don't have the life of God inside of you, if your church does not have the name of Jesus, then you do not belong to the church of God. To be the church of God means you have to have the name of God. To be the church of God means you have to have the life of God. You can start a club. You can start an organization. You can start a group. But it isn't the church of the living God. Nobody can be a member of this ecclesia who has not been called out of the world, called into the body, Being born again and called by his name. Give God praise. So the church of God is not run like the world. The church of God is run by his own government, his own authority, and his own will. Give God praise. Yes, Lord. You got to be born into this. I said, you got to be born again. You got to be born into this church. I, y'all sit down. I remember the first time I went to, see, I was raised as a Lutheran, you know. Went to the catechism classes, everything else. Went to confirmation, got confirmed, whatever that meant. Friend, I wasn't a Lutheran by name only. I was a confirmed Lutheran. Hallelujah. I went to the school. Hallelujah. Are you here today? And so because of my confirmation, because I went to a class, you know, I became a member of the Lutheran church. Well, I remember the first time I went to Jesus' name, one God church. Hallelujah. I was baptized in Jesus' name and I had the Holy Ghost. 
I went to the youth leader at that time because I was, in, I was a youth, 18, 19 years old, somewhere in there. And I said, you know what? I'd like to join this church. I like it. <laughs> See, that's, that's that ecclesiastical, liturgical, you know, <clears throat> way, that Lutheran way, you know. Joining the church. So I went to this, you know, come on, are you with me today? I was baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost, which means I was and am a part of the church. I didn't join it. I was born into it. So I went to that youth leader and said, I'd like to join your church. He just looked at me. Now, did I offend you? Did I say something wrong? No, he just ignored me. Because you don't join the church of your choice. Come on. Come on. I think I just joined the church of my choice. No, you are called by God into his church. You are born into his church. You don't join it. You're born into it. Give God praise. I'm looking at the church. Hallelujah. Well, I had a lot to learn, you know. Still do. But I know one thing. I'm in the church by birth. Hallelujah. Thank God. Your name might be on the roster roll of Bible Center Fellowship. But what puts you in His church, into His kingdom, was that you were born into it. If you're not born into it, and you don't have the life of God in you, and you're not called by His name, you are not a part of His church. Give God praise. That's narrow, pastor. You better believe it's narrow. Because God can choose what He wants to choose. Why do you walk around and say, well, that sure is narrow. You mean we got to have the name of Jesus? We got to believe Jesus God. got to be born again, you know, to be a part of his church. You better believe that. That is essential. Straight and narrow is the way that leads to life eternal. Few there be that are on that road. Come on. Broad is the way that leads to destruction. And many there be on that way. Give God praise. It is a straight and it is a narrow way. Give God praise. But that's too narrow, Pastor. Oh, really? Well, let me, just, let me be real with you here. It's narrow of God to require breathing to live. But I don't hear you complaining about having to breathe. It's narrow of God to require that you drink water to live. But I don't hear you complaining about how narrow that is. It, it, come on. It is narrow of God to require that you eat food to live. But I don't hear you complaining about having to eat food to live. Oh, I don't hear you say that's narrow of God. Then why do you say it's narrow of God to require certain things to come into his kingdom and to be a part of his church? Hallelujah to the name of Jesus. Listen, listen to me. Church, which is at Corinth. This is God's called out people. They've been born again. They've been baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost. They know that Jesus is God. They know that Jesus is the Lord. That's it. Say amen. Amen. 
Okay? How many of y'all been born again? Oh, yeah. oh the water and the spirit. You have to be born again to enter into his kingdom, to be a part of his church. Just because you walk into a church don't make you a Christian. You know, Brother Daniel went today, at least in my, my imagination, and my imagination is very out there. In my imagination, Brother Daniel went in his farm today. He went out back, and he walked into a chicken coop and gathered the eggs for his, his wife to fix breakfast. But when Brother Daniel walked in the chicken coop and gathered the eggs in that chicken coop, that didn't make him a chicken. You understand? Just because you came here today don't make you a Christian. You've got to be born in to the kingdom of God. And just because your name is on a roll don't make you a Christian. That's just church recognizing you're a Christian and you're a part of that assembly, that local congregation. Give God praise. So I thank God you're here. You are my brothers and my sisters. The church in Corinth was your brothers and your sisters. Come on. Somebody will say, well, pastor, do I need to be a part of an assembly to be a Christian? Why would y'all get so quiet? Are you here? You go and read Acts chapter 18 when Paul went into Corinth. He goes in real quietly. He don't sound trumpets. He don't got a big old board announcing his coming. Here I come, Apostle Paul. He don't have an entourage of people going before him, a big old parade, say the Paul, Paul, the Paul's coming. You know what I'm saying? He didn't have nothing that. He walked in real quietly into Corinth. He goes into a Jewish synagogue and Crispus gets converted. And then Sosthenes gets converted. They get baptized in Jesus' name. How do I know that? Acts 18 doesn't tell you it was in the name of Jesus. But if you read 1 Corinthians 6 verse 9, it tells you that, come on, such were some of you, but you're washed, you're sanctified, and you're justified in the name of the Lord and by the Spirit of our God. So Paul walks in very quietly. And people start getting baptized in Jesus' name and getting the Holy Ghost. And coming into the kingdom of God. You with me here? They gather together in a little group. They assemble together in Corinth. And from there it began to grow and grow and grow. But they were assembling together. My question to you is this. Can you be a Christian and not be a part of the church? Think about it. Can you be a Christian and not be a part of a local assembly? Listen, all right, let me ask you some more questions. Can you be a bee without a beehive? How many of y'all ever heard of a bee without a beehive? How many of you ever heard of a soldier that refused to go to war? How many of you ever so- heard of a student without a school? It don't go together. A Christian saying, I don't need the church, does not go together. Hallelujah. The bee needs the beehive. The student needs the school. Whether he goes there physically or not, he's still got to have a school that he's taking his courses from. Soldier must be willing to go to battle if he's a true soldier. If you're a true Christian, you will assemble yourself with like precious faith. People of like precious faith. 
You might make it a little while out there on your own, little bee, little bee, little bee. But pretty soon you'll die. I said, you'll die. Because you need a hive. Look at your neighbor and say, I need a hive. Because I'm a bee. I need a school because I'm a student. I need a war because I'm a soldier. My point is this. How many of you ever in your life, it just doesn't go together for a person to be a Christian and not be a part of an assembly. Thank you, Jesus. Give God praise. He's writing to the church in Corinth. The assembly, the community of believers that gathered together. Don't look at me like that in that tone of voice. You need a local assembly that you can go to, hear the word of God preached, to have fellowship with people of like precious faith. You need a pastor, you'll never survive. You'll be like a little bee dies out there without the hive. Amen. Say praise the Lord. I need you. I know you think you don't need me, but I need you. No, I'm joking. Some of y'all get real serious on that kind of stuff. You're what? I need you. Look at your name and say, I need you. I don't know what I'd do without you. I couldn't make it without you. Oh, come on. Some of you think you can. Some of you think you can. Some of you kind of played with it. Some of you trying to try to thought about it, you know. But God circumvented your will. He, he circuited your will. And because of that today, you're in the assembly of the Lord God. Praise God. I need you. You need me. You're a part of the body. You might be the brain in this house. But hallelujah, you can't operate if you don't have a skull. You hear what I'm telling you today? So Paul is right. He said, he said Paul, an apostle, called by the will of God to the church of God, which be in Corinth. Do you understand what you're a part of? Give the Lord praise. <laughs> Woo, Jesus. I love it. I love it. I praise God. To them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called saints. They're sanctified and they're saints. They are separate people. They're different from the world. They're different from religion. They are God's saints. Separate ones. They are sanctified, which means they're set apart unto God. Look at your neighbor and say, now, now don't do this if they're not born again of the water and the spirit yet. But if they're baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost, look at them and say, you're a saint. Say it again. Now say, I'm a saint. I'm a saint. Mm. Yes, you are. You are a saint. Yes. Yes, you are. Hallelujah. 
Well, why am I doing that? Because a lot of people think that you cannot become a saint until after you die. When you die, then they, they make you a saint after you die. But according to the Word of God, it's not the people who die that are saints. It's the people who are alive that are saints. People who are alive in God that are saints. And the word saint there doesn't mean absolute, total purity with no spot. What it means is what you've been called into. You are separated. You are sanctified. When? When you got baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost and came into the church, that's when you became a saint. I'm looking at saints this morning. I'm looking at men and women that have been set apart and separated by God. Not because you're, to, you know, you're perfect and totally pure and, and spotless, but because of what Jesus did for you when he called you into his kingdom. But I don't feel like a saint. Well, you don't act like one. Like, you know. But you are. When you got born again, he said, I separate you. Hallelujah, I separate you. I set you apart to myself. By sacrifice. You belong to God Almighty. I belong to God Almighty. Sometimes I don't feel like it. Sometimes I don't act like it. But I'm a saint. I know this is really shocking to you. But can y'all, can y'all believe that your pastor is a saint of God? You know what you ought to do? You ought to go out there in the world. You ought to say, man, my pastor, he's a saint of God. And all the Catholics will say, was that meaning he dead? <laughs> no, he not was a saint of God. He is a saint of God. Really? You mean he's a saint of God before he ever died? Yeah. You ought to come here and preach. He's a saint. <laughs> and then they come up here, you know, at two and two. It don't add up, man. They look at me. And you said I was a saint. And they come in here and look at me and say, that, that, that's a saint? <laughs> Hallelujah. Give God some praise. <laughs> According to the word of the Lord, I am a saint and I'm sanctified. I'm separate and I've been set apart. I'm not without spot and I'm not totally pure. But here's the title of my message. Jesus is the bedrock and the hallmark of my salvation. The goodness of Jesus. The will of God. He set me apart. He, come on, made me separate for his purpose. He is the bedrock of my faith. The godness of Jesus is the bedrock of the apostolic faith. Jesus is God, my friend. Jesus is the hallmark of our faith. A hallmark. You go and look up the word hallmark in a dictionary. Hallmark means a mark placed on any article of purity and high quality. Gold is marked with a hallmark. Gold is marked with that hallmark because the hallmark declares this gold is pure. This gold is of high quality. Anything that is pure, anything that is of high quality is marked. If it is marked, then it is a hallmark. So let me tell you what the hallmark of our faith is. The hallmark, the pure one, the quality, hallelujah, is Jesus Christ. Jesus is the absolute pure one. 
Jesus is exclusively God. The Godness of Jesus is my bedrock. The Godness of Jesus is my hallmark. The Godness of Jesus. I'm not totally pure. But he is the hallmark. I miss the mark. He's the hallmark. Hallmark. Things that are marked with hallmarks are things that are pure and of high quality. That's Jesus. But as we go through this, the reason why Paul is, is showing this church these things, they need to get a revelation of all that I'm preaching to you right now because they need to be changed. They are saints. They are separate. They are sanctified. They are set apart to God right now, even though they're not acting like it. But they need to get a revelation that Jesus in his godness is the hallmark of their faith. They're sanctified, but they have to still go through a purification process. Things that are not hallmarked are things that have to continually be purified. And those things that are not hallmarks in relationship to the church have to do with things. They have to do with men and they have to do with places. Things, men, and places are not hallmarks. He is hallmarked. He is pure. He is exclusively God. So Paul wants them to see the godness of Jesus so that when he begins to show them, you need to change this because you're not hallmark. You're not totally pure. You need to move into perfection. You need to take what you are and allow it to become perfected. You need to be purified. Things need to be changed. Men, places, things need to be changed. But Jesus is the hallmark and bedrock of our faith. That's why he can call you a saint right now, even though you still have to go through change. Give God praise. Look at your neighbor and say, you're a saint. But he is the hallmark. You need to be changed, but he is unchanging God. He can't be changed by the will of men. He can't be changed by the opinions of men. He cannot be changed by circumstance. He is the hallmark of your faith. You cannot change God. The way he sees you, that is the way you are. Though your will, come on, may hinder you from becoming that. He can short circuit your will to make you what you are. Give God praise. But he himself is unchanging. He is still, he, God, Jesus in his godness is unchanging. He can't be changed by the will of people. He can't be changed by circumstance. You got to get this. He can't be changed even by the opinions of people. If people do not re re believe that he is God, it doesn't change the fact that he is God. He doesn't need me to say he's God to make him God. Jesus is God all by himself, all the time. The will, my will can't change that. Your will can't change that. Circumstance can't change that. God is God. Jesus is God. He is the hallmark of your faith. 
Give God some praise. Jesus did not evolve into Godness. Jesus has always been God. Some of you just feel like, what do you mean he's always been God? Wasn't he born? <laughs> Not Jesus. Jesus wasn't born. Jesus, I don't have time to get into all of this, but Jesus is the spirit that was in the Son. Jesus has always been Jesus. And Jesus has always been God. Hebrews 1.4 says that Jesus received his name by inheritance. Which means the name of the Father. The eternal God who has always existed. The name of the Father in the Old Testament is Jesus. The name of the Father in the New Testament is Jesus. Jesus is the eternal spirit that was in the Son. But the spirit of God that was in the Son is Jesus. Give God praise. Mary didn't give him his name. He received his name by inheritance. He is the Father. Jesus is the Father. Whether he be Old Testament or New Testament, he's still Jesus. You can't change him. He is the hallmark of our faith. God in the Son is Jesus. Hallelujah. But He was God, the Father. He was Jesus before He ever came in the Son. Come on. Listen to this. Hebrews 1.4 says that He received His name by inheritance. Mary didn't give Him His name. He has the name. He is the Father. His name is Jesus. So the Father in the Old Testament's name was Jesus. Although it wasn't revealed. But when he came in the form of a man, they said, call him Jesus, because that's, that's who he is. He's the Father in the Son. Are you getting what I'm saying? Listen to me. Jesus, the same yesterday, today, and forever. How can he be Jesus, the same yesterday, today, and forever? Because it's related to his eternality. As Jesus, he had no beginning. As, but the son did. The son did. Jesus was in the son. You're not hearing me. Come on. Say amen. Jesus was in the son. That makes him Jesus. And they, got a, they had a revelation. This church had a revelation that Jesus is God. Jesus is the hallmark of our faith. We're not totally pure, but we're sanctified by the will of God. Come on, because of the godness of Jesus. I, I pray you're getting a hold of this. See, Jesus is not the second person. Jesus is the eternal spirit. It's God in the Son, Jesus. Say praise the Lord. Problem is we don't have that understanding. Jesus, the same yesterday, today, and forever. You understand what I'm trying to show you here? Say amen. Give the Lord praise. He's not, the I am. He's not the I was or the I will be. He is the I am. Before Abraham was, Jesus said, I am. 
Jesus existed before Abraham. Jesus pre-existed as God. Jesus pre-existed as the creator. Jesus is the heir of all things, but Jesus existed as creator because he's God. Jesus, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Give God praise. He is the I am. You need to get an understanding that he is I am. Say he's I am. See, he didn't go to Moses in Exodus chapter 3. Now, this is all in this. I know you. He didn't go to Moses in Exodus 3 and say, you know, I will be. He said, I am. He didn't go to Moses and say, you know, are you here today? He doesn't give him a specific name of himself there. He just says, I am. Because there's sometimes you're going to need God to be I am. You're going to need him to be different than what he was yesterday. Because you're in a situation and you're in a circumstance that you need to be the am in the I. I need you to be am right now. I. I need you to be am. I need this right now. Hallelujah. He is I am. He is He is Yod Hey Vav Hey. He is Jehovah God Almighty. He is Jesus. Jesus is the name of the Father. The unchanging God. I am that I am. Woo. See, some, some of you, some of you can only talk to him when you're in trouble. You need a financial blessing? Jesus will help me. I'm going to cry out to the Lord because he will help me. Come on, are you here? But you don't know that he is or he is I am when you're wealthy. That's right. Come on. You believe he is I am when you're poverty stricken. You believe he's I am when you're sick. You believe he's I am when the toilet won't flush. You believe he's I am when the water's not running. You believe he's I am when you don't have electricity. You believe he's I am. But can't you believe he's I am when you're on a yacht? I said, can you believe he's I am? Do you believe that Jesus will get on a yacht with you and ride with you? Come on. You have a poverty mentality. He is your I am in poverty. But is he your I am in wealth? There's no situation, there's no circumstance that you can find yourself in that he is not I am. You only believe him to be God when you're in trouble. You only believe him to be God for you when you're in need. But what about when you're well? Is he your I am in your wellness? Is he your I am in your wealth? Is he your, ah, come on, that's why some of you are in the mess you're in. Because you can't see him as I am. Some of you need to say, you need to talk to God, not just about all your troubles. You need to say, Jesus, you're good. Jesus, you're good. Jesus, I'm blessed. Jesus, you're in this. Jesus, you're in my blessing. Jesus, you're in my wealth. Jesus, you're in my provision. Jesus, you're in my health. Jesus, you're on my all in all. We sing that old song, when I think of the goodness of Jesus. 
but that's putting Jesus on too low of a level. Put it, say it this way. When I think of Jesus' goodness. Put Jesus in front of goodness instead of putting goodness in front of Jesus. Because Jesus is I am. Come on. Wake up. He is not my I am only when I am in trouble. He is my I am when everything's going good. He is my I am when everything's wonderful. He's my I am when I'm well. He's my I am when I got plenty. He's my I am. You just don't understand the godness of Jesus. Do you understand what I'm saying? Do you limit him? You limit him. You limit him. You limit him. Lord, I'm sick. You're my I am. Lord, I have great need. You're my I am. When's the last time you ever said, Lord, thank you for making me healthy. You're my I am. You're the I am that made me whole. You're the I am that's my shepherd. You're the I am. Come on. My M. Kadesh, my, my sanctifier. You're my I am. Oh, see, some of you got quiet on that. I don't tell you that because I don't ever have need. I tell you that because I've learned him to be the I am in whatever state. If I'm in need, he's my I am. If I'm in abundance, he's still my I am. Whatever, I, whatever state I'm in, he is my I am. Yeah, yeah, praise God, because he cares. Say amen. (laughs) So you got a wrong concept of God. You think you're supposed to be poor poor to be godly. You think your God is poor? He is I am. The devil don't own anything. He possesses this world, but he don't own it. Jesus owns it. He is I am. Some of you need to get a revelation and a vision. God is my I am. Oh, yeah. Doesn't matter what your opinion of him is. It doesn't matter if you call him God or not. He's still God. He's my I am when I don't have a husband. And I'm talking about all these sisters out here don't have husbands. He's still I am. Hallelujah. And, and then when you get one looking for a way to get out, you need to say, I've got a husband. He's my I am. God is my I am. He was my I am before I got a husband. He's my I am after I got a husband. He was my I am before I had any money in the bank. He's my I am after I got money in the bank. He's my I am. He's unchanging God. I thought about it this morning. I started to get my clothes, you know, my suit. Thought, I remember the days when we first started at church, man, hallelujah. I'd, some of the clothes I, I used to wear, praise God. I'm, I'm not growing, I'm glowing in God today. 
I just say, you know what, God, man, I remember where I used to be. Hallelujah. You were my I am then, but now, God, I, things are better as far as financially. Things are better now. I can put on a nice suit. Praise God. You're my I, you were my I am then. You're my I am now. Hallelujah. You're the one that brought me from where I was to where I am. And because you are my I am, I give you glory. You were I am when we were on Brazos in a little barn. You're the I am here on uh, this, in this house here. You're the I am. Hallelujah. Praise God. You need to get a revelation of this understanding. Under the church of God, which is according to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus. The focus is on the deity of Jesus. When you say Christ Jesus, the focus is God manifest in body. It is the I am that has come in bodily form. It is Jesus that has come in the Son. Say praise the Lord. Woo. Man, I feel good all over. He is Christ Jesus. Call saints with all in every place. Call upon the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. It's not just for the church of Corinth Paul is writing this. It's for the church that in every place call upon the name of the Lord. If you call upon the name of the Lord, then you're a part of what he's saying. And he didn't just say it to them. He's saying it to you. Praise God. Somebody shout praise the Lord. To those in every place that call upon the name of the Lord. It's not his church if his name's not there. Come on. Why do you get baptized in Jesus' name? Because you believe he is the I am. Why do you get baptized in Jesus' name? Because you believe he is God. Why did you call upon his name? He is God. I got baptized in his name so I could walk in authority. What authority is that? It is to be God-like. He's God. I'm baptized in the name of God. I'm bat Come on, somebody. Because I'm baptized in the name of God, then I should be like God. I'm walking in authority. I'm also baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of my sins because I could not be in relationship with God until the sins were taken out of the way. When the sins were taken out of the way, then I entered into a relationship with God and had the authority of God to be like God. That's why we baptize in Jesus' name because we believe that He is God. If your church does not have the name of Jesus, if your church doesn't call on the name of Jesus, then you're not the church because you cannot be with be a part of the church or be the church without the name of God without the name of Jesus and without the life of God in you they called on the name how'd they call 1 Corinthians 6 9 such were some of you you're washed you're sanctified you're justified in the name of the Lord and by the spirit of our God I wish I had the church with me. Oh, I do? If you're part of church, won't you stand up? Don't be self-deceived. 
You need to be baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost. You need to believe that Jesus is God. Well, Pastor, what about all these churches that don't do that? Well, they might make it to heaven, but I know who He is. I can't judge that. I'll let God judge that. But I know what this Bible says to them that are in every place to call upon the name of the Lord. I know what I believe. And I pray you make it. But I know what I believe. Give God praise. Well, Acts 18, Pastor doesn't say that they were baptized in Jesus' name. 1 Corinthians 6 does. And then 2 Corinthians 13, verse 1, it says, In the mouth of two or three witnesses, let everything be established. By the time you get to Acts 18, there's already been two or three baptisms in Jesus' name. So it is an established doctrine for the church. They're baptized in Jesus' name in Acts 2. Baptized in Jesus' name in Acts 10. Baptized in Jesus' name in in Acts 8. Acts 2, Acts 8, Acts 10. And so they're baptized. So we know how they're baptized. Because we've already got three witnesses of how the New Testament church baptized. And it was in the name of Jesus. So I know how they were baptized. Because it was already established doctrine. Give God praise. They're sanctified. They're sanctified. I want to just tell you. You sit down, sit down, sit down. I'm almost done. I'm almost done. See that little water spider right there? That little spider right there on that page right there? See, it ain't pretty. Ain't pretty, ain't it? It's pretty. Real pretty. Real pretty. Yeah. Hey, that looks like brother. (laughs) Maybe that's sister. Little water spider. That little water spider right there is found in Asia and Europe. You with me here? Say, Jesus is the hallmark. He sanctified you. That is who you are like. That little spider is like you. That little water spider. You know what it does? It lives down underneath water. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody. I, I, I'm okay. I got a swimming pool. He's my I am. I got a swimming pool behind my house. He's my I am. <laughs> I'm not ashamed to tell you. He's my I am. And, and in that swimming pool down there in the bottom of that water, I'll see spiders down there. I say, man, how's he surviving? He's he going to die without oxygen down there. You with me? Oh, but there's water spiders. And in, I don't know, the, not the one that I saw in my pool. It's not this one. But water, this little water spider, he goes down into the bottom of ponds underneath the water. Okay? He goes down there and he makes himself a little house. He goes back to the top of the water. He... Gets a little air in a bubble. He carries it between his legs. He carries that air of uh, that that bubble of air down to his little house. He puts that air of bubble, that little bubble of air in his house, and he climbs inside of it. And he stays in that little bubble of air until he has to go up and get some more air. Praise the Lord. He goes up, gets some more air, gets a little bubble of air, and takes it back to his house, moves in. That's who you are. That's who the church of Corinth was. The church of Corinth was in a bubble of air. The environment was all around them, but they were protected. Hallelujah. They were sanctified. They were separated. They were set apart under God. You are the church. Come on. If there can be a church... If there can be a church in Corinth, that sin-sick world, there can be a church in Odessa, Texas, sanctified because you're like a water spider. Hallelujah. I'm in the process of being changed, but he's unchanging. I'm in the process of being made pure, but he is pure. 
He because he is God. All in all. Praise God. He's the hallmark. In that early church, the Christians, especially in Rome, and this is the European Empire we're talking about here, the Greek culture, but up in the city of Rome, Christians were surrounded, just like the church in Corinth here, surrounded by pagan deities, surrounded by false gods everywhere. And a lot of these Christians didn't even know how to write. You with me? So you know what they'd do? They'd walk up and in the sand or on paper or someplace, they would make a big old fish. And go here, this, this, like this. And they'd make a big old fish as a symbol in the midst of, as a mark in the midst of pagan gods all around them. They would make that sign of the fish. I see, say amen, I see H T H Y S in the Greek means fish. But they made an acrostic out of it. The I was for Isus Jesus. The C was Christos, Christ. They jumped to the letter T, Theo, God. You with me? And after T, they jumped the H there and they went to the letter Y, Yios, Son. And then they went, come on, are you with me here? Y, Yios, Son. Then they went to the S, Sator, Salvation. They made an acrostic out of the, the word in the Greek for fish. And that acrostic says this. Jesus is the Christos. He is Christ. But he is Theo. He is God. But he's not just Theo God. He is the Son of God. And he is my Savior. So in Rome, 600 miles of catacombs, underground, coliseums on top, where the Christians were persecuted for their faith in this one God named Jesus, persecuted on top of the world. But underground in those 600 miles of catacombs, galleries, and caves, the church gathered there to worship the one God of the Bible. And in those catacombs today, they have the symbol of the fish. The top of their caves, the top of their tombs. And it declares to everybody, Jesus is the Christos who is God. He's the Son of God. He's our Savior. Surrounded by false gods. Persecuted in the Colosseums. Worshipped and prayed underground in the catacombs. Buried in the catacombs because it was against the law for a Christian to be buried in the Roman cemeteries. So they had, you, could, you were outlawed to have your own cemetery plot in Rome. So they took the Christians and they put them in the catacombs and buried them there and put symbols of this fish on the top of their tombs. As a mark, a hallmark, Jesus Christ, God, Son of God, Savior, that's who He is to me, that's who He is to us. 
They've gone in into that European culture. They've gone into those catacombs. That fish that Mark was placed on. They opened those catacombs up. And in those catacombs were body parts that had been severed. Christians, their heads, some of them severed from their bodies. Other Christians, body parts severed from their body. Other Christians, their, their bones calcified or some chemical Something happened to them. They were burned at the stake that caused their bones to look like that. They found these Christians with their severed limbs and, and burned there in these catacombs. And above that catacomb, brother, was the fish. Jesus God. Jesus Christ is God. He's the Son of God, and He's the Savior of the world. He's the hallmark of my faith. What an awesome testimony that is. That's the kind of faith that these people had. You're a part of that church. God short-circuited your will. Called you. Called, just like he called Paul to be a saint and an apostle. He called you to be a saint and sanctified in that culture. And you as the apostolic church must go forth and declare what that early church declared. He is the hallmark of my faith. He's what the fish symbolizes. Nobody else can tell the world but you. The church that worships like you. The church that believes that Jesus is healer like you. The church that prays like you. The church that has their services like you. The church that believes that Jesus died, was buried, rose again the third day. The church down the street that believes all that about Jesus, but don't, they don't understand that He is God. That's left up to the apostolics. It's left up to you. It's left up to me to go forth into this world and declare what the hallmark is. Jesus Christ, fail God, Son of God, and Savior. Give God praise. Don't ever lose sight of that. You may go through all kinds of difficulties and circumstances and problems. You may look at yourself and be down on yourself because you're not where you know you need to be. But you need to understand you're the church of the living God. The wholeness of God is here. You're baptized in Jesus' name. You call upon the name of the Lord. You are sanctified by God. And you are the ones, you alone. Paul didn't write that letter to the world in Corinth. He wrote that letter to the church in Corinth. See what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. In closing, I got one more verse to read to you and I'll let you go. Jesus is the hallmark of my faith. He is quality. He is exclusively God. He is pure. Hebrews 1. Let me go there and I close. I love him, don't you? I love him. I love him. Are, are, you, are you thankful that he, that he short-circuited your will? I, I, brother Dan, I told Brother Daniel, Brother uh, Timothy and Sister Michelle, I told him, I said, you know what? I don't remember everybody that has come into the church. I don't remember everybody's baptism. Are you with me? You know, I, I, if I sat down and thought about it, I think I, I would. But just off the top of my head, I said, I, I remember that day you and Randall walked in the church and God 
<laughs> short-circuited your will. But recently I said, I remember when Brother Timothy and Sister Michelle came to that service and we had that prophecy conference. I don't know what brought them there other than the will of God. The will of God brought them there. And after that service, I, they walk up and say, we want to be baptized in Jesus' name. Just like that. They went from being in the world under the judgment of the world into the kingdom of God. And now they're one God apostolics. <laughs> By the will of God. And the Lord has done the same thing for me. And he's done the same thing for you. Jesus is the hallmark and the bedrock of our faith. Walk in that symbol. Amen. And what it means. How many of y'all love Jesus? And sometimes, you know, you, you have the opportunity to walk up to your brother and sister and say, you're a saint of God. And other times you have the opportunity to walk up to him saying, you're just an old water, water spider. But I'm glad you're here, man. You're a water Amen. spider, but I'm glad you're here. Amen. Hallelujah. Isn't God good? Aren't you glad that you're a part of an awesome heritage? Amen. Hebrews 1.4. Hebrews 1.4, it says this, Being made so much better than angels, as he hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. Jesus is the name of the Father. Not just the name of the Son when he was born. Jesus is the name of the Father. That's his eternality. You understand? Hallelujah. For under which of the angels said he at any time, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. And again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. Come on. Jesus is the fatherhood of the son. You understand? That he lived in. You love Jesus. Who be in the brightness of his glory, verse 3, in the expressed image of his person, upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins. Say, by himself purged our sins, set down on the right hand of the majesty on high. By himself purged our sins. You know what? God is the only one can forgive you of your sin. God is the only one that can forgive you of your sin. The Bible says Jesus by himself purged our sin. Well, what did he do? Did he leave the other two out? If he's supposed to be a part of a trinity, if Jesus by himself purged our sin and only God can forgive sin, does that mean that he left out the Holy Ghost and left out the Father? No, by himself he purged our sin because he is the Father. The name of the Father is Jesus. The Father came in the Son and purged our sin. Do you understand the significance of what I'm telling you? God in sundry, in sundry times and times past spake to the fathers by the prophets. Hath in these last days spoken to us through his son. To us, not the world, but to us has been given the revelation of the godness of Jesus. I'm sorry. So we need to go forth with that hallmark and declare it to everybody. Because everybody don't have it. Because it wasn't given to everybody. It was given to us. Apostolics. Thank God for it. 
I said, thank God for it. Oh, what's, some of you need to get an understanding of it. You, you, you know it, but you need to understand it. Woo. Man. Man, oh man. Are you thankful for it? Okay, well, I know, I know how you are. I'm going to let you go. All you wonderful water spiders. Mm-hmm. I know how you are Sunday morning. Sunday morning, you just don't believe in the move of God. Come on, I preach, I preach. I give you so much this morning, and you just sit there and look at me. <laughs> it, has, it, it, it all has to do that you don't believe he's the I am in the morning. You believe he's I am on Sunday night. He's I, oh, we're going to have a move of God tonight. Woo! Yeah. Can't wait. Woo! Woo! Oh, he's the I am in the night service. <laughs> Some of you need to get a revelation. He's the I am in the morning. He's the I am at night. I had to get a revelation yesterday when we had that men's meeting. You can, I'm done, brother. 